Craft Beer Radio, episode 357, on November 15th, 2015. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. So, today we are doing a raspberry show. Raspberries. What are raspberries? Jeff? Um, they're a um, fruit. They are a fruit. They are not berries. They are an aggregate fruit. That's it, yes. Uh, they are considered uh, droplets because they're sort of like droops. Basically, by aggregate fruit, essentially, uh, most fruits that we know of come from one ovary. Aggregate fruits come from a whole bunch of ovaries sticking together. Okay. So, yeah. Not actual berries. Bananas are berries. These are not. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the education. All righty. So, yeah, we uh, started pulling raspberry beers out of the fridge. Like, hey, I see a theme. Yep. I see a theme. So what are we going with first? The let's one? do the fort first. Oh, for, oh wow. Okay. Well, it's the one that I've had before. Yeah, that's, that's true. So so this varies in the alkali volume. I'm not sure what year this is. This is a 2008. Okay, so I don't have the... You may have to look at the label to get it. They say a 15 to 18% alkali volume, uh, 49 IBU. Uh, don't see it on the label. All right, maybe I'll see if I'll see if I can find the answer. Uh, what was it? The range two thousand eight. You said that's what I wrote on the cap. All right, twenty oh eight. Only seven years old. This beer is really fruity, fresh. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to kind of age it for a while and see what happened with age. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you can still. They're still selling for it, so this is not something you you know. Yeah, you can you can start this experiment today if you wanted. As long as it's out, if you could find it. Yeah, the um, the raspberry fruit flavor or the aroma definitely seems toned down. Some good oxidation on it. It actually has a little bit of uh, just a very slight whiskey flavor. There's a little bit of booziness coming off the nose. Yeah, I was gonna say. It almost reminded me a bit of maple syrup. Mm-hmm. There's something a little syrupy with it. Poured not with a huge head. Yeah, it's definitely a little boozy on the nose. Ooh, especially after I stop sniffing, it's way up in my sinuses, and it's a, it's a little, little zingy. Kind of a toffee. I think some tobacco is coming off of this on the aroma. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right there. It looks like it's 18%. 18% on this 2008 Fort. We start off this show with a bang. The, yeah, I think, I mean, if I, from what I remember, I think a lot of raspberry dropped out of this beer. And uh, I'm enjoying where it's at. It's still pretty sweet. No, you're looking at the clarity. It is... Well, it's been sitting on the shelf mm-hmm. for years. It's it's a kind of a tea-colored, maybe with some slight reddish highlights, but super-duper clear. There's a big molasses-y mm-hmm. uh, flavor here that's coming out. Now, you can tell that there are raspberries used here. The raspberries aren't gone. Um, maybe some of the brightness from raspberries are gone, but mm-hmm. it really does feel like a... Like a Raspberry molasses has been allowed to ferment. Yeah. Yeah, I, I hear you with the, the molasses flavor is really big. 
kind of with like a little raspberry um you know angle to mm-hmm. it you know it, it reminds me kind of something you'd see like drizzled on cheesecake right yes where you'd have a raspberry reduction but maybe you'd mix it in with some syrup or molasses you know to kind of give it a little more earthy uh mapley type ca- character i mean 18 percent. this could be perceived as sort of a raspberry liqueur but i think it's a lot more drinkable than a raspberry mm-hmm. liqueur would be That is really good. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, all you have to do is um, grab one and store it free. Put it away for seven for years. For seven years, which it's hard to do if you don't have chest power. Look at the way that's lacing the glass. It's just, it, it's like, I mean, lacing Co- is like, maybe not the right word. Not Coating. Lacing. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the beer is, has like no head. It's not mm-hmm. still. There's some buzzy, you know, it's tingly when you mm-hmm. drink it, but in the glass, it looks still. And yeah, when you like roll it in the glass, it leaves a... Uh, little coating. A film. A film, yeah. That is interesting. As I drink it, I'm getting... Um, well, the booziness is becoming more apparent. And... Uh, it's it's really neat how... It, it's kind of a really mellow alcoholicness. Uh, not nearly as fiery... As a distilled spirit, mm-hmm. but it ha- since it has all that molasses and the other multi characters in there, it it is kind of whiskey like. You know, I already mentioned that, but I just want to come back to it because it's this is beer is really drinkable. Yeah, and you kind of want to sit and sip it and just have a little bit here and there. I think the, the interesting thing about that is that it it doesn't have the burn going down, but it has the burn afterwards. Mm-hmm. Whereas whiskey, you drink it, you get that burners going down, and then it sort of mellows. Here, you get sort of the mellow loveliness going down, and then it kind of starts to burn. Uh, just sort of an afterburn. Right. But uh, it does start to be like, oh, there's a lot of alcohol in there. Yeah. I, I, I'm i digging aging this beer. I think you made a very good move. I think we have to buy some more and Adrian. We did. We probably did a fort about a year ago, and it was a newer version mm-hmm. of fort. I think I remember and it. Remember, I, I recall I it being like, a lot more fresh berry like. Yeah. Um, was that fort or was that? We definitely did a fort about a year ago. Okay. And then this was the older one, and we I kind of wanted to sell her for a bit more. Until we had a theme going. Well. <laughs> well, for a while, it was like, oh, there's that fort in there. Oh wait, we just did fort. Mm-hmm. Or it's, oh, it's that fruity raspberry beer. I don't really want to drink that right now. But yeah, I think we, it's, there's a little bit of oxidation, but it's not too bad. I don't really feel that this guy is about to go over the cliff. I think mm-hmm. at 18%, he probably has more legs. He could probably age it for another few years. Though the, I think it lost carbonation. I think some of the pressure leaked to mm-hmm. the cap. I think that's the biggest uh, thing from the, uh, not the development of the flavors, but from just mechanical, the mechanics of aging, right? I think, you know, it didn't so much oxidize, but I think it uh, lost, or the oxidation's pleasant, but I think it lost some pressure. Here's here's some question. Let's say you had a beer that you felt, like from the ruined cork last time, or, mm-hmm. or, or this one, you, you, you didn't open it, but you felt that it was maybe lost some carbonation. Is there a way you could sort of put it into a sort of a pressure chamber to to recarbonate, to re-carbonate. It? like a barometric chamber with CO2? Yeah, sort of. <clears throat> you probably could. 
you actually, you know, would probably be another wise strategy would be to um, dose it with a little bit of, you know, yeast and priming mm. sugar, right? Okay, right. So you could kind of croissant a bottle if you kind of want to refresh it. I mean, that could easily go wrong, right? Right. I mean, you're opening up a bottle and you're messing with it. Yeah. I'm not saying it's going to go wrong because you're going to blow things up. Because, I mean, if you measure your stuff right, it's fine. But, I mean, you're taking the cap off. You Also, if you put fresh yeast in there, it could help with any oxygen that's infiltrated and is in the headspace, right? It, it could, but also you're changing the character of the beer, too. Because you don't know what the yeast is going to Well, you use. are. But uh, at that point, you're, you're... I mean, you're already doing cellaring, right. right? So, why not do some more performance enhancements on it? Right, but okay, so let's take it this way. What if I took this bottle and repressurized it with a lot more carbon dioxide and recapped it. After about three weeks, it should be pretty carbonated, right? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, if you put CO2, you put a higher pressure of CO2 in the headspace, it'll equalize with the beer. I don't know if... They overpressure it so that it'll, someone will get absorbed by the... Well, right, right. It'll equalize. Then, every, you know, the pressure... Well, in the headspace in the beer will be the same, where it would be higher in the headspace at first. Um, or, you know, yeah, CO2 will dissolve, yeah. right? I guess mm-hmm. you really, the pressure. Um, I don't know. I don't know if the ratio is I mean, the Okay, same, then maybe you right? could transfer it to a different, to a new bottle, to a smaller yeah. bottle. I mean, your idea of having like a barometric chamber where you put the whole thing under pressure mm-hmm. and the leakage in the cap I mean, you're probably, probably talking months or years. Yeah, because then it has to be absorbed through the cap. Yeah, That's you, why that would yeah, not work. Yeah, if you took the cap off, then you could do it quicker. But uh, that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> sounds like a lot of work. I don't think we want to mess with that. Guys, get on it. We need some sort of repressurization. Wouldn't that be... The other idea, I think, is a little more interesting, but I think it's still silly in the end. And that is like, you know, we could sell a patent pending process where, you know, it's a little thing you can dose your cellar bottles with, mm-hmm. which will cause it to do a little free fermentation in the bottle as long as you recap it. And then it could, you know, maintain the beer, or refresh in the beer. You know, it'd almost be like a prime tab, but, you know, something like that. You're just, thinking of selling something like the, <laughs> well, like, like but, the salt guys. But I'm not trying to sell snake oil. I, you know, but I think there might be an idea there, I don't think I don't think it would have a huge market, but I, I wouldn't sell it if it. I would just say, hey, he no, don't sell it. Here, here's what you do. Sure. Uh, do you, Some people like the convenience, and you sell the convenience. Yeah. Okay. Right. Of the prime tab versus making a little eyedropper full of, you know, priming sugar. And you might have to do some kind of special oxygenation, you know. Mm. So that might be where the complicated part comes in. All right, so that was for. Are you still you're still working on it? You need a few more moments. Uh, a few more moments. Okay. That's why we're talking about all this yeah. nonsense. Why, because why, why are we finishing <laughs> up the four? Let's talk about this one story I just saw, where we talked about this a couple of years ago. That um, there's a federal. Who is this from? They made this thing where uh, beers sold in like larger restaurants and chain restaurants need to have their calories. Mm, with mm-hmm. them on the menu, so people were informed of what they're purchasing. I know that Sam Adams keeps their K-Cal. They have every single beer. They know exactly what the calories right. are. They're a big brewery that, you know, it's 
It's easy. It's, it's a lower percentage of the overall budget to get those beers analyzed mm-hmm. versus some small breweries. Well, in December of 2016, uh, this is good. the regulation has been on the books since 2014, but will go in full effect December 2016. And so it needs to have calorie counts for beers at chain restaurants. But there's a lot of craft beers selling their beers at Fridays and Applebee's mm-hmm. now. You know, so these beers would need to have calorie counts. And as time goes on, even these chain restaurants, even since when the law went on the books, these chain restaurants are carrying smaller and more local and, you know, smaller craft beer. Where they just mentioned here, White Labs has a kit to test the beer, $625. That's not too much for a for a local brewery. Sure, sure. But, you know, a little brew pub or something, you know, a little... Um, Maybe maybe a brewery that's doing like ten different beers, right? And they want to get several. You know, then they're not going to sell that to the chain. They're not going to sell. Yeah. They're going to sell their their most common one to the chain restaurant. They're not going to sell their their crazy, you know, nine of their. <laughs> sure, not all of them, but I mean, it's a price that's going to add up. I mean, I don't know the budgets. Maybe six hundred bucks is no big deal, um, but it, it's interesting. So uh, let's see here. I got to think that versus the money you'd make. In theory, the six hundred bucks isn't yeah, that. I mean, big it's a good. one-time thing, yeah. I guess. And you're once you do this, maybe maybe it's a bit of okay. You know, here you go, Applebee's yeah. and Fridays. You know, here's but a I beer, mean, and here's Fridays. a beer you can carry because you know we have the information yeah. where you know maybe some of our other local competitors might right. Not, so, so I mean, if you want to be an Applebee's and Fridays, if you want to be an Applebee's and Fridays, you're not going to send them your uh, your ridiculous. You know, times are cha- times are changing, Greg. Times are changing. times are changing, but those people that where times are changing are probably not going to Applebee's or TJ Fridays. Uh, I think there's there's still. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah. I don't think that's your the mo- most that's of your market. I, it's not where I want to. Be. No, it's not the Th- most. That's of your not your market. market. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're all Chipotle for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What's what's next? What's next? What's uh, what's the ABV on these guys? They're both around nine. 10. Okay, let's do the Hardywood. All right, Hardywood Raspberry Stout, a nine point two percent alcohol by volume, fifty IBU. Is this the last of the Hardywoods? I think this is probably the last Hardywoods. I picked this up when I was in Virginia this summer as well. This is their winter uh, beer, so this is probably uh, last year's last yeah. year's reserve series. It's. Uh, Released in February. Brewed with uh, chocolate malt, cacao nibs, late season red raspberries from Agriberry Farm. All right. I need to reload the stopper bin. We only got two left here. (laughs) We're using some of the rejects from the uh, stopper experiment that we did a couple years ago. The room on this one, I smelled a little bit of cocoa right up front, and then I kind of dug into the more roasty aromas of the barley mold. So it was kind of like chocolate, roasty, 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 roasty. It was kind of held up if I wanted to play back my first sniff. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, to me, it, it's got sort of the, the uh, aroma and, uh, and... A little bit of a... raspberries early on, but now, now I'm getting kind of something almost like a... Um, like there's a something smoky in there, almost like a hickory smoke or something. I'm getting a, a touch of hickory smoke as well. 
me, I'm getting a lot of like a raspberry truffle. So a chocolate-covered raspberry, essentially. Okay, I just kind of did the old tilt the glass till the beer is almost spilling out the top and then rotate it. You know, this really opens up the aroma because you're coating the surface of the glass with a really thin layer of beer. So there's a lot more surface area in the glass. Now I do that, I kind of... It went away from that smoky hickory roastiness to more of like greg said a truffle like i'm imagining those like really rich truffles with the mm-hmm. powdered sugar on the outside you know or the powdered cocoa to keep it from being too sticky i smelled that and then i take another sniff and i smell a punch of raspberry right up front and then it gets smoky on me again hmm flavor has the smoke are mm-hmm. you getting the smoke okay Something kind of smoky. I don't know if smoke is the right word. It almost has like a Bamberg Rauschmal type smoke to it. Something that's kind of woody, a little almost clovey, but not quite. I I don't know if I really agree with you. Okay, I'm, for me it's like big, but tell me I'm wrong. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm not, I don't. It doesn't feel this of the same character to me. It feels like it's more. Honestly, it feels more like uh, the yeast that covers raspberry, sort of, that, and that's sort of raspberry skin okay. kind of thing, just uh, majorly mixed in with with some of this chocolate malt. If I do like a quick pull. Like a real quick drink, I get a, kind of a raspberry burst, and then it gets more stout, and I'm getting less smoke. Mm-hmm. But there's something astringent there too. There's something mm-hmm. a little bit astringent. Hmm. So what this won a gold medal in 2014 for American fruit beer. Um, we did a, a little trick uh, last show. No one, oh, no, I was, <laughs> no one, no one sent any information or no emails, and I was. I'm glad you mentioned it. Yeah, yeah. did anyone hear that uh, that police siren <laughs> in the show? We didn't play it too loud, but you know, there's been times where like I'm driving and on a podcast, you know, that I play like a siren and like I'm looking around trying to find. I'm like I thought it'd be fun to uh, mess with you guys, and uh, so. Now that we mentioned it, if anyone kind of like, oh yeah, that I couldn't figure out what that siren was about, let me know. Do you want to um, do our little shticky shtick? Yeah, we can do it now while we're working yeah. on this beer. Hey, you shop hey. at Amazon. It's it's almost shopping season, and if you're a shopping season pro. Where you go is you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Everyone knows this. Don't, don't miss out. Don't be part of the people who don't do this. Yes, all your peers, all your beer drinking peers are doing craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. Do you want them to laugh at you? No, no. You want to be just like everybody else. You want to be a special little snowflake just like everyone else. Exactly. And to do that, you go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. It doesn't cost a penny more. Not we a get penny. a cut of what you spend. Instead of Amazon taking the whole shebang, and it really helps out the show. And you can be like all your friends. We do know what was purchased. We do not who purchased what. We don't even know like what was purchased in an order together. 
Uh, so you can feel free to buy all your kinky stuff there, and we won't really know that it's you. I don't know. The music just really thought, you know, kink, <laughs> yeah, talking about buying kinky stuff would really uh, fit well with the music. <laughs> that was interesting. It was a little more, I mean, right after the fort, it was interesting because we, you know, we had this lot of these toffee or, or you know, molasses-like flavors, and we have this sort of big astringent, maybe smoky, maybe not, but, you know, sort of a, certainly astringent and cocoa flavors mm-hmm. that uh, clash a little bit. So flight played a role in, in how we perceived that beer, I think. Maybe. I, I don't think... I don't think I had a problem transitioning to the beer. I mean, maybe I did. Maybe, maybe I just couldn't feel it. Sometimes, you know, you're tasting a beer and like, I know I'm not tasting it like mm-hmm. I should. That wasn't the case for me this time. I felt like I was tasting the beer. Maybe it amplified the smoke, mm-hmm. if anything. Maybe because we came off of this beer, you know, and this one, the transition, the difference, the thing that stood out was like how smoky that was. Maybe that's why. All right, so this next beer was provided by the brewery. All right, this is from Weyerbach. This is Reserva, an American wild ale. Uh, fermented on red raspberries. It's fermented with the Saccharomyces yeast, which is a standard beer yeast. Brettomyces, good old Brett, and lactic acid bacteria. So, so it's, not Lactobacillus. A pl- it's not a plain old raspberry beer. 10% alcohol by volume. Age for more than a year in oak barrels with raspberries. But we would not have had this cornucopia of raspberry beers when we first started, would we? I mean... I mean that they were would be available? Yeah. Not raspberry with Brett. Not... 18% raspberry. Mm-hmm. Well, granted, this beer kid to come out three years afterwards, yeah. at least. Or so it, it might have... This, but this one was revolutionary, right? Yeah. Fort was yeah. revolutionary back then. So, yeah, that, that smells like a wild beer mm-hmm. right there. So I need to... Uh, it, it's pretty clear. has kind of a rosy-type character to it. Well, this rosy's not the right character, right color. It's, it's kind of a... Um, Mahogany, um, kind of brownish, reddish, amberish. This is a 2014 release, but I would imagine if you looked hard enough, I mean, certainly like Giant Eagle or something, you should be able to find it. Uh, it's probably going to be principally around the Pennsylvania area. You're not mm-hmm. likely to find it elsewhere. I, up and down the eastern seaboard, you'll find wire. But I don't know about Reserva. Oh. So it does carry the raspberry flavor or aromas with it, right? So you're smelling something that's kind of bretty, a little bit, a little bit, um, how do you want to describe this one? It's a little earthy and dusty. I wouldn't quite go with leather. No. I wouldn't go with barnyard. Maybe something that's a little... Oh, maybe like a washed rind cheese, you know, a little bit limber yeah, or something like that. that. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned Limburger and Greg starts choking. That wasn't the reason. <clears throat> Greg's but, getting over a cough. Yeah. Okay, that's... I, I also think there's a little bit of... Um, I'm glad I didn't have anything in my mouth because I wouldn't have a spit take. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> 
there's also a little sort of a yogurt thing, which is sort of what you expect out of lactobacillus. On the flavor, it's a really good balance. Big, there's a big raspberry and sweet flavor, but because of all the wild and acidic character in here, it's really cut by the acid. Kind of balances out pretty nice. It's not too sour, but there's a good tartness to it. Honestly, this is the least raspberry of the three beers. If you ask me, because I think that a lot of the flavor, uh, I feel like there's a there's an edge to the flavor that's definitely raspberry, but I do feel like that a majority of the flavor could come from just the wild yeast. I think the raspberry gives it a little bit of a, a, of a mellow edge, mm-hmm. so it doesn't cut off so easily. So, so that's where the fruit comes in. But I do feel like you can get flavors like this just from a combination you of yeast. I think you, I think you're right. You do get fruity flavors like yeah. this. You get some kind of berry or stone fruit or something like that flavors from this kind of fermentation and aging. I, I feel a little bit different. I feel that that this has a pretty sweet berry flavor to it, which is being cut down by the acidity. And where if this was not a sour beer, if this was just a raspberry beer, it's kind of like that fort that I didn't like when it was a lot younger. See if see if I can explain this to you what I'm tasting because the first thing I get is a big upfront wild hit with a little bit of tang, a lot of this fruity flavor, but that that's not raspberry. As it fades, the raspberry builds and sort of takes over. So the the initial flavor you get. It's fruity and it's kind of berry-like, but it's not raspberry. And then as that fades, the raspberry comes in and sort of helps that helps it so it doesn't feel chalky and stuff as it goes down. And okay, and no. if I'm looking for that rising raspberry, like you said, it's a little more reminiscent of um, like a raspberry reduction again. Mm-hmm. Not quite like we had with the molasses in the in the fort, because there's also a big acidity coming through there. So maybe some like. If you can imagine, take that raspberry syrup, put it in soda water, so you have some carbonic acid in there. So mm-hmm. you like kind of like a raspberry soda, but but not like sweet, like um, not like super sugary candy raspberry soda, but something where it's almost like something you'd use in a cocktail, right? Where you use some raspberry syrup and okay. soda water. All right, it's like a grenadine, something like that. You know, I can kind of see that on that rising note that you were saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely think that there's a lot of raspberry to this, but I think you're being hit initially with the wild, and then the raspberry kicks in. The wild itself, though, is pretty nice. Like, the aroma was pretty Limburger-y or washed wine, washed wine, washed wine cheese. Um, washed wine cheese. Washed wine cheese. Um, <laughs> I can taste a little bit of that when I'm looking for it in the flavor, but it's really buried by the acidity from the lacto. It's uh, or lactic. It's um, the Brett in the flavor. Uh, the Brett was carrying the aroma. I'm sure it's doing neat things in the flavor, mm-hmm. but it's not the star. It's, yeah. it's a supporting actor for sure. Yeah, it's, it's lacto primarily. It's giving you a lot of the the initial upfront sourness and tartness. That's pretty good. It is. It's really really good. Who would have thought we had two like really good raspberry beers? So is this the last, or is next year the last year for craft beer? 
because of the big merger. That's what that's you know the oh. sky is falling type stuff is happening. I was curious about the um, Miller Coors divestiture and what that meant. I actually found some information about it, but I'm still not clear because there's like there's the Miller brands globally versus the Miller brands locally, mm-hmm. and it seems like Miller Coors was all re- they already. No, that doesn't make sense. Molson Coors is going to get the global Miller brand. It sounded like they already had the North American Miller brand, but that doesn't make sense because that'd be Miller Coors. Mm-hmm. And they didn't say like Molson Coors gets all the Miller brand, but definitely AB InBev swallowing up SAB Miller. They they would have to divest themselves of They're definitely getting rid of, like, Pilsner Oquel. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned a couple other brands, which I don't remember, but... So, Pilsner Oquel in, in North America will be Molson Coors mm-hmm. and not AB InBev. Uh, I don't know. It's... You just need to see where it shakes out. I, I, yeah. I, I care just only a little bit. Actually, not even a little bit. I mean, I don't... It's a big merger, one hundred and eight billion. I think was was the was the cost. It's the kind of thing that would that has to go through a lot of regulatory hoops. Uh, <clears throat> is it the death of craft beer? That seems seems very hyperbolic to me. <laughs> Certainly. Um, I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I, I just think that someone searching for a headline about craft beer. It's a uh, I, I, where, I think where, where does this new company, which I think is still working out what the name's going mm-hmm. to be, where are they going to go next? I mean, if they, all they have left to buy is Heineken, <laughs> you know, and Molson. Yeah, I, I think it's something to keep an eye on, uh, but it's not something to get too worried about as long as the general craft space continues to grow. I do think there is, with this... The buying of other craft breweries seems a little bit more ominous than it did to me in the past. It it feels a little more like, all right, there now there's real encroaching upon the space. You know, I, because I there's kinda, a there's less of a separation now between what the major brewers are doing and what the craft brewers are doing. I kind of have a different feel about. Breweries buying craft breweries than I probably had a few months ago. Like, I was... I mean, look at IT. Like, look how many small little companies are purchased by big companies. Mm-hmm. And if you look at it from a capital, capitalistic bent, it's just the way things work. It's way... It, it's a very successful strategy in capitalism. And for most craft breweries... And, and that's true. It doesn't stop new companies from coming around right. or, or new companies are being made for most craft breweries. They're not going to have Dick Cantwell's principles. Mm-hmm. And if the pay, if the, if the right numbers written down on the napkin, you know, okay. So this is an interesting question. So what you see then in the IT space, if, if we're going to compare it is specialization in certain areas. Mm-hmm. Do you maybe expect well, like to not, see, not every company like absorbs the company they buy. Right. I mean, Google owns Nest. 
Nest is its own company still. Nest is still going to be the brand that makes these super user-friendly home automation devices. And, you know, they're not going to make it to Google thermostat. You know, it's going to stay to be stay Nest. But what I'm saying is, right now, there's a lot of craft brewers that essentially are jack of all, a jack of all trades. They're bearing all, all types of mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. You know, when I was in Seattle, there were places that, you know, brewed 20 beers and stuff. Do you think that as bigger breweries come and sort of start to dominate possibly more craft beer space, that craft brewers will start to become uh, more specialized? More specialized. So like Firestone Walker, because their Pivo is so amazing, they might become more of a... Uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, like Jolly Pumpkin, yeah. all they do is is uh, barrel-aged beers. Um, you know, yeah, so... But- Okay, so I mean, I guess that's a specialty, but there's not really a flavor characteristic. No, to I'm not it. saying it's a flavor more, characteristic. Yeah, I mean, like that's a, a that's a technical mechanical thing. You know, they they have a process to do barrel age. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, but some breweries, that, there's breweries that have open fermenters. You know, they do open fermentation. There's breweries that do barrel aging. There's breweries that. Uh, yeah, I guess I, you can see some specialization like it, that, but I mean, it, it's a weird question because. You know, how many IPAs there? There are, you know, thousands of, of them. Uh, and they're all, I mean, they, some of them do taste very similar to one another, but some of them are, are, are quite different. So I don't know if you can ever have, like, two or three companies dominating the IPA space. It's not like... No, but... It's not like uh, uh, American uh, Pilsner Lagers, right? It, it, turn, on, turn on my song for a little bit, because... As we're doing uh, this next beer, <laughs> I was going to say we should queue up some Christmas music. <laughs> this is your Christmas uh, shopping—no, not a shopping guide—but you know we talked about last week. We did the um, two turtle doves from the brewery, and because of great listener Gary, we have uh, six of these. Can't really do a brewery vertical when they're like twenty percent, so <laughs> we're just going to kind of spread them out. So. Uh, if you know the song, why, why did you do Jingle Bells and not the Twelve Days of Christmas? That's what I want to know. Uh, because it's more of a jolly song, and Twelve Days of Christmas uh, is kind of a bummer. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So we did two turtle doves last week. This week is three French hens. So it's. Uh, I'm going to pull this down to the background. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, so three French hens is. Portion of the beer had to be aged in French oak barrels, so 25% of a, of a Belgian dark strong is aged in 25, 25% in oak. And, um, yeah, so that's what I got on you. It poured, 10%? Went, sorry. poured with a very fine head. I didn't read the label. I didn't know it was Belgian-style dark ale. But when it poured, it just poured with this very fine head. It rose up about two fingers on the on the snifter. And um, it just looked Belgian-y. It looked like a, a Chimay or something like that. It's it's uh, moderately dark. It's kind of um, cola-colored. Mm-hmm. The aroma, because it's such a high-level carbonation, I kind of get a, just a zing, kind of a carbonic kind of whiff. Going a little bit deeper... Getting some some herbal and spicy type things like uh, I'm thinking some clovey notes. Clovey. I'm actually smelling like some like rosemary or something like that. Interesting. 
Lavender? Why not frankincense? Going crazy? No, no frankincense. (laughs) Myrrh, maybe? No, just gold. Only smells of gold. Just gold, yeah. Hmm. Definitely smells of AU. Still very zingy on the nose, right? I I feel like it's washing out a bunch of the aromas that might be coming off of there. I don't want to do the whole swirly, swirly thing just yet because I kind of want to taste it at the higher carbonation level. So I'm going to move on to the flavor. Or 20 IBU is 10% alcohol volume on this one. Only 10 ABV? Come on, the brewery. That's like nothing for you guys. It has... um, Oh, wow. The, the oaky stuff really comes through, doesn't it? Oh, really? I didn't notice the oaky in the first sip. For me, the first sip was kind of um, plum or prune, and Big Zing kind of cleans it off, and it gets kind of a little floral, and a, a touch of banana came in there. To me, that oaky really brings out sort of a wintergreen like flavored immediately, right up front. Okay. Okay, I'm tasting... Let's take that um, prunes. Let's go a little bit into prune juice, like a really saturated prune flavor. I'm getting that. Okay, I can see that. Yeah. Let's uh, actually that's really sticking with me on that second sip. That it's like prune juice. <laughs> it's really sticking. Um, I'm, I'm still not tasting too much oak yet. Hmm. Normally we'd. Uh... Switch, but right now, yeah, I don't like Greg's bugs. Now that oak is subsiding a bit, I mean, immediately was very zingy to me up front, but I I get it's a lot of plum, like you said, maybe a bit of honey, but I don't know if that's quite the the right word for it it's, it's, it's a fair amount of that like belgian like chalky mm-hmm. mineraliness like kind of a limestone mineraliness is kind of sitting on the back of my tongue it's very dry there hmm. this is a beer kind of i think you want to kind of sit down and spend some time yes with. and we're kind of you know pushing through it so we can get a good review here but uh i think in in real life you know i'd be taking this much more slowly kind of just giving it some time to open up and i mean warm up. we are going to cap it and uh and save it for mm-hmm. for later um much much later yeah yeah uh, <laughs> but yeah i would almost like to like spend you know some time with this beer mm-hmm. and then come back later and tell you what we thought of it because this is one where like, I feel like I'm I'm not quite there yet. I feel mm-hmm. like I'm not... It's not opened up. I haven't uh, found the core of this beer yet. Well, maybe we can talk about our raspberry beers and sure. figure out where this one fits then later. Sure. All right. So, uh, from the bottom, we have four beers tonight. Easy to keep track. I'm going to put the hearty one in last place. Mm. I got that huge smoke flavor. Uh, it, it really didn't work out for me. Maybe the smoke, I was super sensitive to smoke because of the beer that came before, but it just only got a little, could have used more chocolate, could have used 
uh, I hesitate to say more raspberries, but definitely more something more apparent than that smoke that it was really nailing me over the head. Um, I'll put the three fresh hens in third place. It's a fine beer. I feel like I haven't found its core yet, but uh, you know the 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 pruningness, uh, some of that like I'm getting touches of banana, some like flower notes, like uh, a little bit of clover or something like that. There's something going on here, and and I'm looking forward to trying this some more. Probably be. I don't know. We'll see how much discipline I have. It may be the beer I drink at the post show. It may not be because some of these other beers are really tasty. Um, now the top two, it's tough. It's like, okay, do I go with the really good sour beer? Or do I go with the beer that aged amazingly well? Mm-hmm. Um, they're practically tied. I mean, they're they're both really good. I think I'll put the Reserva in second place. Because while it was good, the raspberry was kind of like Greg said on the light side. As he talked me into it, I thought I was tasting a big, strong raspberry up front. But when he was telling me and I was tasting it, I kind of agreed with him. But the sour was really good. If you're looking for a sour beer and you find Reserva on the shelf, it's probably at a decent price point, and um, it's worth it. Definitely get it. The Dogfish Head Fort, uh, that was more whiskey-like, right? Mm-hmm. That bourbon, the molasses, the the raspberry reduction, it just turned into a beautiful beer. Absolutely. And I'm giving it some extra credit points because it did such a good job with seven years' age on it. And I'm going to make that at the top tonight. So my ranking is, is exactly like yours. I put the Hardywood in uh, in last place because, yeah, it was a little strange. It was, it, I mean, it just didn't get up to the level of these other beers. It, it felt like um, felt a little disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um didn't meld together as well. The brewery is in third place here. This is, um, it may be uh, a little bit of a hard luck loser in the sense it's going against two, two really, you know, awesome and different beers and it's trying to do something very different for what these, these beers are doing. So, uh, so I, I wouldn't hold this against the brewery at mm-hmm. all. I mean, this is right. um, a, a very good beer. Um, that's really different from what we were trying, so we're trying to wrap our heads around it, but we tell it's really good. That's why we put it in third place as opposed to these other two. The Weyerbacher is number two because, it, I mean, I think it's it's a very well-done wild. It has uh, a lot of complexity to it, a lot of, uh, without getting into, without getting too cheesy, without getting too leathery, without, without getting those stuff, but still has a lot of great wild character. That's impressive, but yeah, that fort was amazing. That was um, a beautiful experience that I, uh, I wish everybody could have. All right, sounds good. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to yet another episode of Craft Beer Radio. It's uh, it's not it's not Prince. No, but it's it's, it's a it's Prince. a cover of Raspberry Beret. No, we did a raspberry show. What else would you go out with? And if Prince wasn't such an a-hole about his having his music stolen would, online. Uh, <laughs> 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 yes. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. You can hit us up on Twitter, at Jeff Bear, at CBRGreg, at Craft Beer Radio. Email beer at craftbeerradio.com. Craft Beer Radio is released on a Creative Commons license. Visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. And uh, 
tune in next week where it's going to be our best show ever. Put a lot of pressure. No. Who's really going to judge? That that's that's the thing. No one. It'll get like people excited, and then they won't know. Oh wait, are we still in the air? Yes. Crap. 